Welcome to the Bungalow Sports Show. I had that I had that intro all planned out perfectly and I still botched it up a little bit, but hopefully hopefully you didn't notice too much. Welcome to the Bungalow Sports Show. We're doing it live again. We're doing it live. Um I uh I don't know. Let us know if you enjoy these live ones. Uh, we'll be going back to our uh, normal um, pre-recorded selves coming up this Sunday. It's just been a been a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Joey was sick, and then my family was sick, and blah 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 blah. It doesn't matter. We're still getting you the show. We're still getting you the show you deserve. Um, this episode of the Bungalow Sports Show, like every other episode before this one, has been brought to you by Betalytics. Uh, go to betalytics.com and start your profile and uh, use promo code PEAK1 and you'll get 25% off. I mean, not a lot of deals. Like 25% is when like the deal starts. You know what I mean? A lot of places would be like 10% uh, get, uh, you know, just like uh, just just smaller amounts that seem like it might be a lot, but it's not. You got to give me at least 25% before I start feel like I'm getting a deal. And Betalytics is offering you 25% off um, your profile. So get over there. Um, oh, my uh, my best buddy, hetero life mate, Christopher Rubin Gonzalez, chiming in on the chat. Uh, yes, it is my birthday. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> As if anybody else is watching this but him. I I can't see the numbers right now, but I can't imagine that um, you know, we're doing too well right at the moment. But um also brought to you by League Swipe. It's getting closer and closer to uh fantasy sports drafts. Some of you may already have done your drafts, but you still gotta collect those fees, you gotta collect those dues. Um you've got managerial duties. When you're the commissioner of a fantasy sports league and let League Swipe help you out. So um, go over there and uh, see what they have to offer. And if you sign up, uh, let them know uh, Peak One sent you. Let them know the Bungalow Sports Show sent you. But anyways. It's my birthday. It's my birthday today. The day. The day, August 21st, 1985, I was thrust from my mother's loins into this world, kicking and screaming, and have turned in to the man that you see before you today. I am 38 years old, um, and I'm kind of realizing that I'm hitting that threshold where, um, you know how like the, the old trope, like, oh, I'm... I'm 38 years young, 38 years young, and you think it's stupid as hell, but now that I'm like 38, and like I'm almost 40, and everything else, like I'm like, nah, dude, I'm not old, I'm not 38 years old, I'm not old, I'm young, I'm still young, but it is, uh, it is old, it's fucking old, man, I, I've officially been an adult for 20 years, um, you know, uh, it's just, are you feeling your age? If you're old, my age, older than me, and you're watching this, listening to this right now, like, are, do you feel your age? 
because I always, you know, that's always something you hear and that's always, you you know, older people are always got aches and pains and shit going on. And I have like always either been doing sports or construction. So like my body has always kind of been in like a state of recovery because <laughs> like a day at work could be like a week's worth of gym trips, you know, like depending on what I'm having to lug around that day when, you know, when I was younger, it was a lot worse than that. And then we had to go even further back in wrestling. It's like, so you're like, I'm always just kind of, uh, recovering from something, even if it's just a hard day. So like, I can't really like pinpoint the, you know, the injuries and like, Oh, this happened when I was this old, this happened when I was this old. Oh, now that I'm old, I'm feeling this. Cause it's like, yeah, I've, I've had back pain since I was 16 years old you know what I mean <laughs> I've had knee pain I've had all kinds of other stuff going on so it you know having that be part of my life like I've just kind of ignored it most of the everyday aches and pains that most people feel I guess like if you have an office job where you're you're not forced to be in pain all day like when you're doing shitty construction work or wrestling practice like you're just you just have to be in pain there's no other there's no other way to get around it. It's going to be uncomfortable and you just kind of have to ignore it. You know what I mean? Because I still got to go to practice tomorrow. I still got to go to work tomorrow, even though my arms feel like noodles because I've carried 75 sheets of sheetrock up this staircase. Like my legs, my thighs hurt. My arms are wet noodles, but I got to come tomorrow and I got to do it all again. Like, you know what I mean? There's no choice. Um, so you just ignore it and you just keep going. You just keep going. But I tell you what, this week, um, working in the heat this week in Central California, in the dry, 110 degree, whatever, last week we had like three days, we had all week I think was over 100, but we had three straight days where it was like 107, 108, 110 or some crap like that, and you know, I was working outside all those days, and you know, there was just one day where it was like 130, and I'm just walking around the corner of this house and I'm like, like, why am I so tired? And yeah, it's 110 degrees outside and I was working and all that. But it's like, I'm just starting to have these moments of like, oh, 28 year old Cole wouldn't even have, wouldn't, wouldn't have had to stop and take that sigh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, I'm finding myself like really having to focus on like, uh, my stretching and my warm-ups and stuff for hockey. Not not because I'm getting hurt, but because, like, for my body to operate the way I want it to, I've got to prep it, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm going to start stretching just to go to work and shit like that. Not because I'm worried about getting hurt or anything. It's, it's literally just pre prepping the body so it works correctly when you want it to. Like, I showed up to hockey last week, like right at the freaking dinner bell, bro. Like I showed up late. Um, I, it was a, it was a long story. This dude paid me cash. I I'm like, Oh, you know what? I'll hit the ATM on my way to the hockey game. You know what I mean? And put it in the bank. I go, the, the, the bills are nice, crispy, brand new. And the machine keeps spitting them back out. So I literally had to put in, put them in one at a time and do like a separate deposit for each one of these fucking bills. So I ended up standing there at the damn ATM machine for almost like 20 minutes. But it, 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 was just, it was crazy. But it was like I was already there. So it was like I just need to get this done. 
But I, I digress. It made me later than later than usual to hockey. I wasn't late to the game, of course. I would never be late to the game. But I like to show up early. I like to take my time, get there, park, chill. If anybody's in the parking lot, you know, have a little chit chat, walk in, take my time, walking back to the locker rooms. I just like I don't like to be rushed when I get to the rink. And you know, I want to be ready. While, you know, long before the Zamboni's done cutting the ice. And then I can be one of the first people out there just to kind of take as much time as I want. Just skating around and stretching out. and get... I got there. I had to change as faster than I've ever changed before. And I basically had to run just to get out there to get like, you know, three or four minutes of warm-up time. And I played like shit. I had, like, my worst game I've ever had since switching to ice hockey. Um, And it may be all in my head, but I swear to God, it was just my preparation was thrown off. So it's like now that I'm older, whether it's mental, physical, or whatever, it's like I like a certain amount of preparation. You know, I've always been a mental preparer. You know, I'm like a guy, like, I like to, if I'm going to build a project, I'm going to work on something, I like to stand and just kind of... You know, you got to cross the arms. You know, and you just kind of got to got to stare at stare at it. What you're going to do, visualize it. You know what I mean? Make it make sense in your head. I've always been a mental preparer, but now I've got to couple that with the physical preparation of an old man. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But I'm going to also give you since we since I just I, since I turned my birthday into a hockey talk anyways, dirt league update. Even though I'm technically not in the Dirt League right now, I'm up a league in the Silver League. Um, uh, I just want to report that um, I I might be a dynasty. You know what I mean? I might be a dynasty. Um, Ryan, my buddy, Ryan, Avant, Fireman, he might be a dynasty because this is our third year. Third year, third year, third season of ice hockey. And this will be our third championship game. Now tell me who's got stats like that. You know what I mean? Patrick Mahomes didn't make three in a row. He skipped one year. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, (laughs) what are you going to do? I'm a dynasty. I'm a damn dynasty. And I've won two. What if I win three in a row? Not just make it to three. What if I win three? What are people going to be saying about me? They won't let me go back down to the dirt league if that happens. They may kick me out of the whole league, period. Anyways. Hey. We got a uh, we got an XO Jazz fan on here. How's it going? Um, all right, let's talk about some real sports. <clears throat> let's first, let's talk about my favorite sport of them all. Let's talk about baseball. MLB, Major League Baseball. Um, and this week's story, like last week we went kind of negative. You know, we talked about Wander Franco and we talked about how um, he, uh, you know, allegedly had a relationship with a with a with a teenager 
But so this week, just to change it up a little bit, we're going to talk about Wander Franco allegedly having a relationship with a second teenage girl. Not the same one, different story. But apparently this week, uh, another young lady or representatives of another young lady have come out and said that uh, she has also had a uh, explicit relationship with professional Major League Baseball player Wander Franco. Um, so, anyways, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> that's all the baseball talk for today. Um, moving on, MLS, Messi, too good? Like, is he too good? I don't know. You know, um, he came in and he dominated. You know, people are trying to say that it's fixed. Like, they brought Messi over and they're just letting him win. It's like, no, dude. Like, these are... It's just the the skill level is just that much different. If you're not a soccer fan or a football fan, because I know foot, okay? I know football, American football, and I know football. I know football, and I know foot, okay? I'm a foot head. And uh, if you're not, you know, if you're not, you know, don't have, if you're not plugged in into the uh, international football world, um... It's just the MLS versus basically everywhere else in the world. It's it's one of the lowest skill level leagues out there as far as professionals go when it comes to soccer. And um, obviously, if you're not a huge fan of it, and all you if you're not a huge fan of soccer in general, and you're in the United States, all you see is MLS coverage and the occasional you know Premier League shit or something on Sports Center. But it's like so you might think that it's that it's more skilled than it is, and it's like don't get me wrong, these guys are fantastic soccer players, but when you bring in and up until now, you know all of the international superstar guys that have come over to the MLS they've been past their prime they've been at the tail end of their careers you know and this is a guy who literally just won the world cup this is a guy who is arguably in his prime right now yeah he might be at the at the end of his prime but he is far from the end of his career especially if he spends the rest of it in the MLS but his small time these last whatever it's been 2 months of of uh Lionel Messi being in the MLS, his, he's been so good, it's prompted people to think that it's fixed. <laughs> it's like, it's not. He's just that much better. He took a team who's never won any type of trophy, and, um, you know, now they're fucking, they just won their the League's Cup championship. It's the first, not just the first championship, the first trophy this team's ever won. You know what I mean? And they dominated. He dominated. <laughs> and it's... It's like a one-man, you know, of course he's got teammates. He's not doing everything out there. But when he's out there, everybody else might as well be a decoy. And then every once in a while, one of the decoys becomes the primary target. You know what I mean? So it's like, it just makes it, the way soccer is played and the way MLS is played versus, you know, European or international soccer, the the skill level is just, it's shown. It's like... It's like a pro out there playing with like high level high school students or like a high the highest level high school soccer team playing against, you know, uh Lionel Messi. I don't know. It just it doesn't look that good. I it's I think hopefully maybe 
seeing how the money he's making and like how much uh like uh how much fanfare and 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 everything and how much he's just straight up dominating and how much more low key it is here like international soccer european soccer british soccer like it is high stress it's like being on the toronto maple leafs or some shit like you are scrutinized with a freaking pair of tweezers but Lionel Messi, one of the biggest stars internationally, comes to the United States to play, and he's just another another guy on the newsreel. He's not, you know what I mean? He's not getting the attention of a LeBron. He's not getting the attention of, uh, you know, a, a Tom Brady when he was in the league. He's not getting the attention like that because MLS just isn't that popular here. So maybe if some of these other international superstars... They say, oh, man, we can go over there. We can make this kind of money. We can dominate, and we don't have to have the media scrutiny that we have over here. So maybe some other guys will start um, popping up on some other teams, and the competition will start to. Maybe this is finally what the MLS needed to kind of get itself going and, you know, to get the skill level up and then to get kind of fanfare going for the whole thing. But, um Anyways, uh, I mean, I guess congratulations, Messi. You're dominating still. It's like you were dominating against the best in the world. Now you're dominating against, like, not the best in the world. So, um, but you, I mean, the cool jerseys are pretty, uh, pretty good perk. But moving on, UFC 292 happened over the weekend, and um, I watched it. Of course I did. I watched them all. Um, uh, we had originally, you know, Intended to go live during that one, but uh, just again, just sickness. The kids are back in school. They're bringing home germs. They're just, you know, all kinds of foreign substances coming in from the outside world that didn't all summer long. And uh, people are getting sick. And uh, again, I must reiterate, I don't get paid to do this. So um, I'm not going to go live with, you know, my family vomiting in the background just so you guys can get some content. Um, but <laughs> not that you were asking for it, not that you were begging for it, but UFC 292 is a great one. It was a great card. Um, Alexis and I will do a full breakdown this Thursday on the bungalow fight show. So tune in if you want to see our full breakdown and recap of UFC 292. Um, we'll go over the uh, co-main and main event, the two title fights. We had Wiley Zhang versus Amanda Lemos. And Wiley went out and did what she does, and she dominated maybe her most dominant performance to date. Um, just bully beat down Amanda Lemos. And, I mean, Amanda Lemos is a scary competition coming in. Just, again, kind of like Messi versus the high school kids. Wiley right now versus the rest of that strawweight division um, is a scary thing. You know, maybe she moves up, maybe she just stays down, continues to dominate, maybe somebody else, you know, there's another, uh, Yan, Yan Nan is another Chinese, uh, competitor that's, uh, cl has climbed the ranks and she's going to deserve a title shot soon. So maybe we got a little China on China crime, but, uh, Wiley just, I mean, watching the way that she fought that fight where she's fought other fights. Yes. She lost to Rose Nami Yunus. That doesn't happen again. I, uh, Rose is going up and wait, so they don't. They're not going to rematch unless Wiley goes up and wait. Um, but I believe that was the hiccup. That was the fluke. You know, all champion, not all, but you know, John Jones hasn't had his fluke. But like you know, some of the greatest fighters of all time have their flukes. You got George St. Pierre and Matt Serra. You know what I mean? You got 
uh, Anderson Silva, Chris Weidman uh, won, you know, him just dancing and, and being Anderson and getting clipped. And uh, then you have Wiley that I don't know what was going on in that fight, but she couldn't defend Rose's takedowns and she lost the fight. Um, that definitely doesn't happen again. This is a, I don't want to say a different Wiley Zhang than we've seen before, but definitely an amped up version because she just molly whopped Amanda Lemos and it was exciting to watch. And I'm going to say it right now on the Bungalow Sports Show, uh, Wiley Zhang, best female fighter in the world right now. I don't think there's one better. Um, you can uh, make your arguments, send your arguments to the comments section. Sound off in the comments if you think that Wiley is not the best female fighter and tell me who you think is. Because uh, she is. Um, <laughs> moving on to the main event. Aljamain Sterling, uh, Sean O'Malley, Bantamweight Championship. Um, if you watch Bungalow Fight Show, obviously you know that Alexis and I picked Aljamain Sterling um, in our picks last week on the show. Um, we had our reasons then of just, you know, his wrestling prowess. Sean's, uh, you know, hasn't sh- we haven't seen much of Sean on the ground. Uh, things like that. Just first title fight. Um, can he catch him? Da-da-da. We just thought Aljo was on a different level right now. And then two days later, Alexa sends me a video of a breakdown. I posted it. If you follow me on social, if you follow Bungalow Sports on social media, I posted this video of a guy breaking down um, how Sean O'Malley could knock out Aljamain Sterling. And it was it didn't end up being the exactly the way he did it, but sort of the same principle. And it was basically when Aljamain shoots in because Aljamain's you know he's a very good grappler, very good wrestler, so he's going to take shots, a lot of them. And when he shoots in, he comes in head up, face up, rather than chin down, right? And he comes in, and in a few fights, they showed that this maneuver allowed, you know, lesser strikers than Sean O'Malley. They landed knees on him. One, he got knocked out. Other ones, he recovered and ended up being able to win the fights. But they showed plenty of examples of him doing the same uh, no matter what kind of takedown, whether it was a double leg, a single leg, and then like in Sean O'Malley's fight, he was coming in punching, but because Sean was on the fence, you have to imagine that he was anticipating punching and wrapping him up on the fence and clinching up and getting into a grappling match. So as Aljamain came in, rather than focusing on his defense, he was probably already at the I'm going to grab him stage, going to throw the punches as on his way in, but leaves his head wide open and Sean connects with uh just a sniper right hand that does what he does man he does what he does and you know again like uh, we've been seeing a lot lately a lot of these crazy just accurate ass KOs you know footage comes out of them practicing the exact maneuver backstage same thing here with Sean and his coach and like best friend Tim Welch there's just a still shot of Tim Welch kind of almost in the same position Aljo was in when he got hit and Tim sliding in that right hand. Uh, so obviously Aljo coming in with his head up, whether it's for a shot down low or to tie up or come in with some punches up high, he's going to come in with that, with that head up and he got put to sleep, you know, and uh, uh, you know, Aljo super respectful always has been. He's never really been a disrespectful guy. Um, uh, but Sean O'Malley freaking called it, said he was going to knock him out. 
I say, you know, that press conference, I shared that one too of like, Sean O'Malley knocks out Aljamain Poop Stain Sterling. And it's like he did it. He came in, he knocked him out, he won the title. He's already famous. He's already one of the biggest, you know, uh, fame wise, you know, celebrities in the UFC. And now he's got a title around his waist. So it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger for Sean O'Malley. And the thing about Sean O'Malley, too, is like, like him or hate him, he does. He looks like a freaking trailer park troll doll. But like, uh, he does, he's, he's just a young guy and he's expressing himself. He's doing, he's like, I don't like my artists normal. You know what I mean? It's like, and these UFC guys, yeah, they're athletes, but they're martial artists. They are fucking artists. They're weird, wacky dudes. There's the MMA guys that are complete athletes, and then there's martial artists, right? And you can see the difference uh, in their fight style and their personality. And Sean O'Malley's O'Malley, Sean O'Malley is definitely a uh, a martial artist. Um, and, uh, he came out and proved that he, he's not just a flash in the pan. He's not just a guy that the UFC pushed along because he's popular. He knocked out Aljamain Sterling, which is extremely impressive. Aljo wants that rematch now. Um, I know there's a few other fights that look good for Sean O'Malley, but, um, I honestly think Aljo, even though the fight, um, was over fairly quickly, nobody really got a chance to kind of mix it up, um, I think just on resume alone, Aljo deserves a rematch if he wants an immediate rematch. Um, but I'm not the boss, right? Um, all right, moving on. Football news. Moving on with uh, the New York Jets and Hard Knocks, right? I'm not just. I'm not going to do like a full episode recap. I'll just give you my highlights. This week's highlight was Quinnen Williams. Not only is he a high paid. Not only is he one of the best at his position, he's got one of the coolest, brightest attitudes and personalities out there, or at least getting shown out there in in the National Football League. I mean, and look, now he's got those braces off, so he's got those brand new Steve Harveys on. He was, yeah, I don't know if you guys remember, but he was drafted with braces, caught some flack for being a nerd with braces, but uh, they're off now. And he's looking like the host of the family feud right now, dude. And and he's a funny dude, uh, jovial, doesn't take shit too seriously. Like, yeah, he's an aggressive motherfucker. Like, you got to be if you're an interior defensive lineman in the NFL. Um, but, you know, just if you don't watch Hard Knocks, go watch it. You'll fall in love with these players for the rest of their careers, man. Like, you get to see another side of these guys. And it's really cool because I'm not a Jets fan. My buddy Tim's a Jets fan, so I can, like, live vicariously through him. But forever now, just off that one episode of Hard Knocks, I will follow Quinn and Williams, you know, journey through his NFL career because he seems like a fantastic human being. Uh, all right, let's break down the AFC South. Last week we did the, the NFC South. This week we're staying down south. Let's start with the Texans. This is another, like, last week... You know, obviously, I declared the NFC South to be the worst division, but I'm going to, other than, like, some bright spots on rosters, um, this might be the second worst division, aside from maybe the Jaguars, but let's start with the Texans. Um, they're going to have uh, C.J. Stroud. Um, they're going to have C.J. Stroud under center, as they should. They picked him. They need to put him in there. If he really shits the bed, 
They've got reliable old Case Keenum waiting there on the bench for him uh, to, you know, finish out a disappointing or mediocre season. But, you know, C.J. Stroud, it's as a as the brand new guy, like, it's just you can't predict these things, right? It's easier to predict a negative outcome than a positive one. So, like, um, you know, it's easier to say, well, he's going to suck. The Texans suck. He's on a shitty team. They're going to make him suck. He's going to suck. Like, okay. That's pro- That's probably, like, if I was to have to, somebody forced me to place a bet on how the Texans were going to finish, I'd definitely put it on the negative side if I had to put some money on it. But we'll see how C.J. Stroud does. And then in the backfield, they're they're not lighting the world on fire either in the backfield. They got, I mean, Devin Singletary, Damian Pierce, like a couple of real solid guys, but like, um, you know, I think I may have had both these guys on my fantasy teams in the past and neither of them have been my like number one. So like if that tells you anything, um, but the league's changing, you know what I mean? We've talked about this, about the running backs and the drama and how the league, maybe the, the tandem, the mediocre tandem running back is going to be the successful plan rather than the one superstar. We'll see. Um, on the flanks, uh, they've got trusty old Robert Woods, um, and then I made a note here because they've got a lot of receivers on their um, roster when I was looking at it. But, like, just from the names and maybe a few people who are untested that might have breakout seasons, like, just looking at it on paper, it's Robert Woods and no one else worth a shit. So that's how I feel about the Texans. Um, again, I'll give my rankings at the end. And I appreciate you, Clay Ruddy out there. He put his uh, what well, he he had his rankings way different than mine from the NFC South, and he put them in the comments. So why don't you put your rankings in the comments too? Be like Clay Ruddy. Um, moving on to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, again, we've got a rookie coming in, uh, Anthony Richardson. You know, it just uh, he's the big story, right? Because obviously he was touted in college, but he wasn't expected to get drafted high. He ends up getting drafted by the Colts. Um. And now he's ended up already being named their starter. And, um, you know, he showed lots of lots is I am just on one today of like not being able to pronounce my words. Maybe more Coke Zero will help. Um, But Anthony Richardson, he showed a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of flash, a lot of promising things in the combine and stuff like that, and that raises draft stock a ton. And apparently, he's been showing some good stuff um, in camp. Um, but again, untested, and and we all know that those flashy guys, super athletic guys coming out of college, they go one of two ways: either they're superstars or it don't work out. You know what I mean? And um, uh. I don't. I think. I think Anthony Richardson's going to last more than one season. But the thing, I'm going to put a little prediction on the um, Colts QB situation. Early pre- two two early predictions. I'm going to say that Anthony Richardson is struggling heavily going into like week four, and somewhere around week five or six, old Gardner Minshew gets to come in. And save the day and he'll have like a crazy garbage time game where he lights it up and then he'll come in the next game and maybe he'll, you know, field general his way, gunsling his way to a victory. Um, And then he'll be the talk of the league for a couple weeks and then 
he'll start losing and they'll start losing and they'll end up below 500. Um, but again, I just said about CJ Stroud, it's easier to predict a negative outcome, but I'm a huge Gardner Minshew fan. So I don't really see that as a negative outcome. I like it when the guy gets put in. Um, it's kind he's kind of like the new age, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, Fitz magic, um, Mince magic, you know what I mean? So we'll see. We'll see how the quarterback situation goes in Indianapolis. But um, um, I just, I, you know, I'm a positive guy. And like I said, I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't really have a team that I care that much about more than another. So I want to say, like, yeah, I want to see Anthony Richardson do good, of course. But for some reason, I just get this weird feeling um, that he's going to be a midseason replacement. <laughs> um, of course, they've got uh, the biggest turmoil in the running back situation, which is Jonathan Taylor feuding with Colts owner Jim Ursay and his weird ass. Um, but uh, I think they'll get that ironed out, and then it just turns into how much does Jonathan Taylor even want to be there, and is he just going to go out there to put stats up so he can get moved somewhere else? Is he going to give a big fuck you to everybody? Like, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But this is a guy who was the number one running back, talked about for MVP two seasons ago, and now Jim Irsay is talking about, if he's not on our team, nobody will care. Weird shit, like cryptic. If he's dead, nobody will remember us. Like, weird, sh weird shit that you shouldn't be saying to your fucking star running back. But, um... They've also got a couple old reliables in Zach Moss and Kenyon Drake back there. So even if the even if the turmoil continues with Jonathan Taylor, they'll have that mediocre one-two punch that a lot of the teams are going to have this year. Um, and then on their flanks, uh, sorry, I'm just looking at the time. Um, on their flanks, uh, they still got you know Michael Pittman, Rashad Perryman. They brought in. Uh, uh, Jamie Washington, um, or I'm sorry, James Washington. It's just, uh, we know Pittman and Perryman can do the damn thing, right? They've, they've been decent with shit as quarterbacks. And now if they can, maybe if Anthony Richardson lights it up or Gardner comes in there and gunslings it, they got guys who can catch the ball. That's never been the problem for the Colts. The, the the problem obviously has been at quarterback. It hasn't been Jonathan Taylor. It hasn't been their receiving core. So just because they have Anthony Richardson and he's a high draft pick and all that doesn't mean that it's going to change right now. So I would, I'm kind of, I mean, obviously we just got to see what Anthony Richardson does. The rest of their team is fine, but um, quarterbacks are not. And then probably the best team, obviously, in this whole division is the Jaguars. Um, obviously coming in with Trevor Lawrence with that silky smooth, long, flowing hair. Um, just coming into his own. He's a fan, great quarterback. He was that He's that last, like, generational talent, you know what I mean? So um, he's kind of showing what he can do, and he showed what he could do at the end of last season. And uh, they're... They're just going to pick up. They got, this is, you know, what, second season with Doug Peterson. So uh, it can't get any, it's just going to get better for Trevor Lawrence. Um, they've got Travis Etienne. They've got Jamichael Hasty. you know. So Etienne's a little bit above that mediocre one-two punch. So he's 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 a, he's a good running back. And then Hasty 
is uh, right at that backup level that you want him as your number two. So they're fine there. Uh, they've got Calvin Ridley fresh off his gambling ban, so he's going to want to be putting up numbers to make up for lost time. Um, so look for Lawrence to Ridley a lot this season. Jamal Agnew, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, you know, They've just got a solid receiving core, one of the most solid cores in the league. Most teams, you got one or two names that are reliable, and then a few guys that, you know, are uh, are are sketchy. You know what I mean? All the four of those names. I mean, Calvin Ridley obviously is elite, but your Agnews, your Zay Jones, your Christian Kirks, like those guys are solid, reliable pieces as receivers, and I think uh, they're going to show that. Uh, this season because I've got high hopes for that team and then finally we're going to close it out with the Tennessee Titans who also find themselves and they find themselves in a couple of conundrums the way I see it this season one is uh, Mike Vrabel their head coach obviously a great head coach obviously uh, was a great football player he's got a great mind players like him all da 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 but in 2023 NFL, it doesn't matter what's happened at quarterback, injuries here, this, that. Things have happened throughout the season that have turned out disappointing because of this, because of that. It's not your fault. It's not a head coaching problem. That's all well and good. But another season of disappointment for Tennessee, and this is the point where teams start looking in other directions because it's kind of like, well, we've flip-flopped a lot of pieces and nothing's worked out, so we got to flip-flop you, Vrabel. So I think, I'm not saying Vrabel's on the hot seat, but I'm saying if they come out bad, he's on the hot seat. If they end the season mediocre, he's on the hot seat. So with that being said, coming out bad is a possibility because they've also got kind of a weird situation at quarterback obviously they've got Ryan Tannehill who is a perfectly good serviceable NFL quarterback um nothing flashy but that's not what you necessarily need um but again years and years of mediocrity that'll weigh on you and that'll weigh on the fan base and and they've got two draft picks they've got Malik Willis who was there last year and they got Will Levis who came in this year both highly touted draft picks Malik Willis got a little bit of time last year and didn't, you know, was nobody was rushing out to buy Malik Willis jerseys, but you know, the NFL is a league of of uh of reps of, you know, time under center when it comes to quarterback and so he's obviously going to either take a step forward or back this season. Will Levis, we haven't seen him yet. Um a little bit in preseason and stuff, but like he's going to be there so even if they start Ryan Tannehill, if they start bad, they're moving quick to Malik Willis or Will Levis, whoever they think is better. Um, if they get, it's just it, Ryan Tannehill is on a shorter leash than Bra- shorter leash than Vrabel. Um, for all the reasons I said about Vrabel, is like you're you're not bad Tannehill, but it's just not happening. You know what I mean? So it's not going to take a lot for those quarterbacks to be shuffled around, and that's never good for an end result for a football team. So that's why I say, um, you know, Vrabel, Tannehill, everybody's on the hot seat because also arguably the best running back in the league for the last five years, Derrick Henry, you know, he, he re-signed 
uh, on a one-year deal, I think. But, like, he's not happy there. He's not making what he wants to make. He's having the same issues that all these other running backs are having. So, I mean, and I guess you're just hoping that he goes out there and he does what he does just to prove to the next team, like, hey, somebody pay me the money because I can still do it. And if they're not going to give it to me, somebody else give it to me. And with a shuffling quarterback position, possibly, good possibility, it's going to be a shuffling quarterback position, a lot of weight's going to be on Derrick Henry's shoulders. And we'll see what happens. Um, they picked up DeAndre Hopkins. You get anybody, anytime you get Nuke Hopkins on your roster, you've got a deep threat, but you got to have somebody to get it there. <laughs> um, he's also at the tail end, you know, of his career. He's, he's getting to that point where he's jumping from team to team, which means, you know, the numbers are dwindling and dwindling. Traylon Burke, solid. Chris Moore, solid in the receiving core. But again, I think everything, this team, everything this year is going to revolve around that quarterback position and who they can get to play the best for them. And it might not be any of them. So, um, that being said, what are our rankings? Um, well, I think it's safe to say the Jaguars are first, right? I think I would, I would lose any clout at all that I have as a sports analyst if I wasn't to put them in first place in this division. Um, but as far as the other three, I'm thinking we're going, let's see, Jaguars one, Colts two, Titans three, Texans four. Lock it in. Tell me I'm stupid. Sound off in the comments. Give me your rankings. That's what I do. I sit here, I talk about these four teams, and I rank them on the spot. Because that's what I do. Will I be wrong? Probably. Does it matter right now in August? No. We're just trying to make a show here. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. That's it. That's, uh, you know, that's the AFC South. It's not that impressive. It's like the South in hockey is blowing the doors off the places. South in football. Can't really say the same right now, um, but that's it. Thank you. Um, all right, this show's just about over. Thank you for tuning in if you tuned in live. If you're tuning in to a later version, thank you as well. Um, but before we get out of here, um, we have to go out, as always, with our shout-out. And uh, this week's shout-out goes to the Iranian men's national team, National hockey team, they'll be making their uh, debut in the Olympic qualifiers this season. Um, one of, I think maybe my first shout-out ever on this show was the Iranian women's national team, who was the first women's sport televised in that country. Um, and now the men's team is going to get their shot in Olympic qualifying, and uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, I went back, I was looking at some stats on them, I was going to ring some off, but... I don't want to bring anybody down. These scores look like roller hockey scores. Like you got double digit hockey scores with some of these lower level international teams. And it's let's just be happy for them. Okay. They made it to qualifying. They beat the shit out of Malaysia to get there. So shout out to you, Iranian men's national hockey team. And uh, good luck in the qualifying. Hopefully we'll see you uh, in the uh, next winter Olympics, but Anyways, this show's over. This is another live show. There'll be a recorded version up. 
thank you for tuning in. Um, uh, I just, you know, I can't, uh, I can't thank you guys enough for, uh, whoa, that, that, that was, <laughs> that was the intro. We did it live. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for tuning in every week. The support is fantastic. We love you so much.